Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Carrie. My wife and I are pastors here at the Movement Church, for those of you that are with us for the first time. But, man, we're excited. Uh, it's a brand new year. Happy New Year. Oh, man. Yeah, I hope you had an amazing holiday season and a Merry Christmas. Great times with friends and family. I hope you ate to your heart's content. Had a great time opening presents. Or if you're like me, present. And, uh, no, I, I hope it was an amazing time. But, listen, this is a brand new year and a brand new season, a brand new day, right? And uh, I, you, at, at the Movement Church, we, we are all about being intentional with everything that we do, uh, everything. And you, sometimes we're even intentional at, at being, you know, str- strategically spontaneous. And, uh, but we, we believe that an intentional life is a great life. And, uh, and I want to tell you, man, this, this series is going to be an awesome series. It's called Accelerate. And, and this is one of our favorite times of the year. And I want to tell you, I'm saying that because I feel like the Holy Spirit really put on my heart just to really prompt everyone here today that, that we got to lean in for the next 30 days as a church. Uh, but more importantly, as an individual, uh, Christ does, God doesn't want to just build a great church. He wants to build great Christians. And, and this is not a series where you just sit and listen. This is a series where you participate. And I want to challenge you to, to do that with everything that you have. Today I'm going to do, teach a little different than I normally do. I'm just going to pull some, some stuff from a, a powerful passage of Scripture that really, uh, it really unpacks the humanity of Jesus. And I don't know what your faith background is, but you, you may uh, I view God as some mystical creature or individual who lives in a distant realm. But he sent his son to earth to live as a human. And that's important for you and for me to know. Because he went through the very same struggles that all of us deal with. We can identify with Christ. And then he paid the ransom for my decisions that are poor and your poor decisions. And all of the sin of all humanity. And, and I just want to take a passage of scripture to start this day, this day, this year off. The first Sunday of 2016. And, and really unpack what I believe God wants to do in our lives moving forward. And really kickstart what this series is about. Would you do me a favor? And if you have your Bibles with you, just turn to your, maybe turn on your iPad, or your iPhone uh, to version or whatever Bible app you use. If you have a vintage leather bound Bible, we, you know, you're awesome. Thank you for being an original gangster. We love that. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. Um, it'll be on the screen. And, and maybe you're with in church for the first time. And, and this is new to you. The reason we pull from the scriptures, because we believe the scripture is God's word for us. Very real word. And so at the movement church, we don't hide or have no hidden agenda. We believe that the word of God is active and living for you and for me today. And it, it, this never returns void. And so we, we live our life by this. And so today we're going to pull passages and, and really see what God wants to do in our hearts. So let's just read this. Check this, this passage out. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. It's just one of my favorite passages. It says this. Then Jesus went with them to the, a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here. While I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. That's important if you have it underlined, that highlight that in your Bible. 
Watch with me. And going a little further or farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away to pray and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Sleep. And take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See that my betrayer is at hand. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Father, we just thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you for an amazing beginning to this service of just refocusing our attention on you through songs of praise and worship. But Holy Spirit, we're glad that you're in this place today wanting to do work in our lives and that this isn't just a time to sit and be, but this is a time to lean in and listen. So God, all of us in this room, we open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said as loud as you can. Amen. 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 That was good. It's going to be a good year. Hey, I don't know about you, but I um, am a road tripper's worst nightmare. Um, I was blessed with a bladder the size of a mustard seed. Apparently the Lord said, you know, everybody else needs faith the size of a mustard seed. I need a bladder the size of a mustard seed. And so uh, if you're on road trips with me and you're the kind of uh, guy or gal that is going to just hit it and we're, gonna, we're not going to stop. If you die, we'll get to the hospital in 16 hours. We will not leave. I've got gas tanks strapped to the car. You will pee in the car, whatever you have to do. If you're that person, you hate me. Because about every hour and a half to two, I pull over and I go to the bathroom and my wife loves it. We, when we take road trips, we just kind of chill because it's essential for my family. I got three girls. The Lord knew. God knew I was got three girls. And so literally, when I come to movies, I have to sit on the end because inevitably, at least once, maybe twice... Three times late. No, no, I'm sorry. This is a different, different sermon. I'm going to have to get up and use the restroom. If I can choose a theater closest to the restroom, I will. And listen, last night we were driving down to meet Megan's brother in Carlsbad. And we were, got on the road and, and we're, we're on this health kick. And I'm drinking water like it's going out of style. And that's a bad idea for this dude as I'm driving 45 minutes away. And I got like outside of San Clemente. And I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> I got to go. And of course there's traffic because, you know, it's, it defies reason on the five. You don't know where traffic's going to happen or when. It's just like Satan loves it. He's like, boom, traffic jam. And we're late, so I can't pull over. And, and we get down there and Siri is talking to us. She's got an Australian voice in our car. And she's like, turn right, right over here. And we're taking Palomar Airport Road. And, and it feels like, you ever notice that when you exit the highway and you've got only four miles left, it's the longest four miles when you have to use the restroom. Can anybody relate? So I am like, what? Red light. What? Red light. I'm like, it was bad. And the pressure's building. I'm squeezing everything I can possibly squeeze and just, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm thinking I am going to go in my pants if I don't 
Dude, and finally, we're literally, we're three, some of you are like, I'm never coming back to this church again. We're three minutes from our destination. I had to pull over and go into the gas station. The gas station I chose was the one that had the entrance, the furthest way away from the road. Like drive down a quarter of a mile on a surface road, do a U-turn. I had to take a toll bridge and there was like, you know, I'm kidding, I'm making this up. It was horrible. And then finally, I get in the restroom and it's like, oh, the angelic choir sings. I walk back peacefully to my car. And I don't even put it in full gear. I'm like, I'm in third gear just cruising at this point. Because I was cruising. I was accelerating as fast as I could to get to my destination. Because something inside of me had to get out. <laughs> and now let's flip this and make this a metaphor for life. Can you ever feel that way? Like you just have a destination. There's something inside of you and you just want to accelerate and get as fast and go as fast as you possibly can to get there because something on the inside is welling up and the pressure is building. Nobody this morning, my wife is going to get on to me. The pressure is building. Are you tracking with me, right? Well, listen, back in the fall of last year, so many, you know, so long ago, uh, my wife and I got away for a couple days to pray about, God, what do you want to do in the movement church in 2016? I told you, we believe in being intentional. We don't want to accidentally survive this year. We don't want to accidentally be married, accidentally raise children. We want to be intentional about all of it. We're not perfect at it, but we just found we've got to be intentional. So in October, we just got away and said, God, what do you want to do in the movement church? The people who call this place home, this isn't just a place where you attend. This is a place where you belong. And if you belong here, then God's purpose for your life has something to do with this amazing church with Shamu on the wall. And we begin to pray for weeks and months, God, what, what's the word you're giving us for 2016? What is the thing you want us to focus on? And both Megan and I just uh, so clearly felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of put this impression in our heart that the word for this year for this church is accelerate. Let me read the definition of this. It's a little bit different than what you might think. It's not just about going faster, but listen and look at this definition. It says, uh, accelerate is to cause faster or greater development, progress, or advancement. So it's not just about getting to your destination faster. It's about developing better. It's about progressing in every area of your life. It's about advancing the call of God on your life. And I want you to know, this is what we're praying for and believing for, not just for this church, but for you and your family, for you and your marriage. College student, we're praying this for your destiny, that this year would be the greatest year of growth and development in your life, that you would learn new skill sets and traits that you'd never thought possible in your wildest. Guys, we're praying, husbands, we're praying that this year be the greatest year in your marriage, that you fall more deeply in love with your wife and vice versa than you ever have. We're praying that this would be the greatest year financially for you, that promotions will come, that you'll be able to get into the house you've been praying for, sell the home you want to get out of it. This year, we're believing that God's going to accelerate things in our lives. But how many of you know, this isn't just about God pointing and poof, it becomes a magical thing. This is about God doing something in us as well. And that's what this series is about. This series is about accelerating the call of God, the purpose of God, the dreams of God, the surrender in our life. And, and, and it's founded upon a scripture. In fact, we've got this scripture that we're believing for in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 in the Amplified Version. This is the scripture we're believing and praying over this year. Listen to this. Look around you, Habakkuk, replied the Lord. Look around among the nations and see and be astonished, astounded. For I am putting into effect a work in your days such that you would not believe it if it were told you. How many of you want to see that kind of thing happen in your life this year? To look back and go, man, I, there's no, I never would have thought that'd be possible 
But God is so faithful and God is so good. God is so good. I didn't think we'd get out of debt, but we made it. We managed it. We paid off. Man, we reduced it by this amount. Man, I can't even believe it. The dream home we've been praying for, and believe God made it possible. He made a way when there was no way. I didn't think our marriage would make it. I didn't think I would discover the fullness of my destiny. But this year, God awakened my eyes, cleared up my perspective, and he changed things in a way I could have never dreamt. That's what we're believing for this year. And our challenge is, is not just that you let us believe, but that you believe with us. Pastor Bree just got up here and shared about last week. If you missed it, make sure today you text the word believe to our number. And by the way, save that number in your phone, movement text. We use it for everything. That's how you say that, everything. Turn your neighbor and say everything. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, I, we believe that. Here's something that we, we kind of wrote down to kind of pin this whole the whole series, the whole year is this, that when Jesus is at the center, there is an unstoppable momentum. We find ourselves caught up in a movement that shifts our circumstances, removes obstacles, and demands progress. Divine acceleration brings God's plan to pass at a much faster rate than humanly possible. This isn't about getting rich quick this year. This isn't about having a God that's like a genie in a bottle. This is about exceeding, seeing God's plans and purpose revealed in a way you never dreamt. Accelerate. So here's my challenge to you. We like to start the first series of the year off the same way every year. We dedicate the first month of the year to what God's going to do and wants to do in our life. And we challenge you to not just be a spectator, but a participator. We ask you to do four things. You don't have to. But everyone who says yes to this challenge, their life grows in such an exponential way that they say yes every time. Here's the four things. Read, pray, move, and change. Read, pray, move, and change. I'll tell you a little bit more about this later on in the service, but we're gonna challenge you to read with us in a reading plan in the Word. It's not a lot to read. It's very simple. If you have your own, that's fine. Read along. We're going to challenge you to pray every day. You don't have to pray for an hour. Maybe it's only 10 minutes. Maybe you don't ever pray, but that's a great start. Just to pray with us and pray, God, would you do something in the comfort of your own home? And then on Saturdays, we're going to gather here at the theater to pray during this 21-day challenge. This begins next Sunday. We're going to challenge you to move. Get out there and walk or exercise. Renew that gym membership or do some push-ups, some sit-ups. Let's just get our body active and moving. And we're asking you to change. Change something in your life. And what many of us are doing is we fast during the 21 days of this challenge. And a fast is simply just saying, I want to draw closer to God and remove distractions. I'll give you some more details of what that looks like, but I want to challenge you. Our whole pastoral team, we are fasting the entire month of January, but we're going to challenge you to start with us next Sunday. And look, at, look at me in the eyes for a moment, and we'll jump into this, this sermon here in a second, but... Please don't let this month go by and be just like a regular month for you. Man, take advantage of what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Take advantage of this. Do this together with us. Let's, as a church, grow and accelerate the plan of God for our life. Can I get an amen? That's good. It's, I, thank you. That meant you have made a covenant and you're all going to do that. It's going to be, I'm kidding. Thanks for jumping in. But we'll tell you more about this a little bit later. But today I want to talk to you about what, what I felt and prayed through and thought, man, this is the way to start the year off. And that is to accelerate surrender. To accelerate surrender. 
In fact, that's the title of my message today, Accelerate Surrender. You know, it's amazing to me um, that the surrender is, is the key, it's the foundation to everything. You, you don't experience peace after war if there's not first surrender, right? Most traffic jams on the highway take place because we fail to yield or surrender the right of way to another car and then everything bogs down. Listen, if you are a Christ follower, a Christian, it doesn't begin with church attendance or being born into a family that is of a Christian faith. To be a Christ follower, where does it start? Surrender. You you don't have to be perfect. The greatest news of your whole life, you don't have to be perfect to be a Christ follower. But you do have to make a declaration in your heart, a faith declaration that says, Jesus, I give you my life. Surrender. And I didn't want to start this series off or this year off without talking about it because here's the challenge I believe we're facing today. Most Christians want the benefits of full surrender without the commitment of a total surrender in our life. With the benefits of what God has and who he is, we want him to answer our prayers like we pray it when we want it, but we don't want to surrender our life fully to him. We'll give him a portion or a section of our life, but not the totality, the fullness of it, which would be like somebody paying an amazing athlete to play on a team and then every few games he goes to play for someone else. It would be like a husband and wife in a marriage who walk down an aisle and they vow and make a commitment to each other and then decide that it's okay if I don't fulfill all of the vows that I made. I will be here with you in sickness and in health. I will be here in richer or poorer. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to flirt around with some other individuals and it's going to be okay because we'll have an open relationship. But then when all things are going crazy, I still want you to be faithful to me. Many of us as Christians, we live our life this way. We say a prayer, we decide to follow Jesus, or we attend church, but we don't give him our life. And we see Jesus facing this crazy season. And this, like I said, this is where we see the, the humanity of Christ, because he's facing the very purpose for why he came to earth, to die on the cross, to seek and to save the lost. And the moment is rapidly approaching and we find him here as a human experiencing the battle between what he wants and surrender to God's plan. Listen to what this says. We're gonna break this apart piece by piece and try to get out of here on time. The very first verse says this, 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. So this is just after the Lord's Supper. He just got done spending some time with his homies up in a room in Jerusalem. And then they go out to cross into Gethsemane, which is a place just outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus is walking there to go and pray with his disciples. Now listen, Judas, and no matter what your faith background is, you know who Judas is, right? Judas has already gone to get the pieces of silver and to let the authorities know, hey, let me show you where Jesus is so I can betray him, okay? And what's interesting about this passage is in the darkest hours that are facing Jesus, he goes to a place where Judas knows he will be. Jesus wasn't running from his purpose, even though on the inside there was a battle waging. Do I surrender to God's plan or do I do what I want? 
And I love that Jesus, in the midst of the pressure, still went in the direction of his purpose. And I feel like so many times you and I, when we feel like there's a lack of clarity, we kind of create clarity in the area that we want it to be. Or when we are not really sure about the dream God has for us, we will birth a new dream that feels good and convenient to us. I also feel like when we don't know exactly what to do, we focus our attention on what we want. But Jesus here did not do that. Because he had the battle of whether or not I surrender to God's plan or do what I want. But ultimately, he still was going in the direction of his purpose. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane where Judas knew that's exactly where he'd be because he had hung out there so many times before. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, it's a pretty cool last name, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. The Greek here actually is the most violent emotion you can possibly imagine. That's what the word sorrow here is used for. And here's an interesting component about this. When Jesus crossed from Jerusalem to Gethsemane, he had to cross over a brook called Kidron. And in doing that, this brook called Kidron actually flowed downhill away from the Temple Mount. Now, I know many of you may not know this, some of you do, but at this time, it was a season of Passover, and this is when all of Jerusalem would come to the temple, and they would sacrifice dove and goats and sheep and bulls and paying penance, saying, God, would you forgive us for our sins? If you're new to church, that sounds weird, and we don't do that at the movement church. This is a long time ago. But here's what's significant about this. This valley, this creek, this brook called Kidron would run downhill from the temple and crossed over between Jerusalem in the Garden of Gethsemane. So likely, very likely, this stream had blood running through it. During this season, historically known, there was a full moon. So as Jesus is crossing over to Gethsemane, he's crossing over a brook that's running with blood. Knowing that the gravest hour, the darkest hour of his life is coming when he would shed blood for you and for me. Now listen to me, look me in the eyes for a moment. For us to surrender, you need to know that there are going to be times where you'll have to cross over the river's of inadequacies, the rivers of fear. You're gonna have to cross over the brooks of reminders of the things that have been and the challenges that will come. But I love how Jesus is resilient in his life in pursuing the purpose that God has. Let's read on. He said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He's talking to the disciples here. And going on a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. This is the moment where we see the humanity of Christ fulfilled. He wasn't just like saying, Hey, would you take this this chalice from my hands? He's saying, God, this cup represents what you created, what you called me to earth to do. The, the, the very purpose of my life is to die and pay the ransom for the sins of all humanity. And this cup represents that great, noble, and yet horrifying consequence. And so you see Jesus literally at war on the inside. Do I do what God wants me to do or do I do what I want? In fact, the scripture says that this, he was so sorrowful that he was sweating drops of blood. The, the strain and the stress and the tension was so intense that it was overwhelming in a manner that you and I 
could possibly never know. And listen, the cup did not represent death. Jesus was not afraid of the pain and death. The cup represented the judgment of his father. See, death on the cross wasn't about death. It was about God turning his back on his son, which had never happened. In fact, that's something God's never done to you or to me. The only person who's ever experienced that was Jesus. So he sits in the garden and he holds the cup up and he says, God, Dad, man, I, I listen, I love these people, but can't we like, can I play a flute and things will change and everybody's good? Can we play a basketball game for the souls of mankind? Right? Space Jam up in here, we'll get Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, this is gonna be awesome. I mean, he could have done anything, but a payment must be paid. It had to be paid, and Jesus is saying, hey, if you can, take this cup from me. And what does he say? But not as I will, but your will be done. That is surrender. He didn't deserve it. Listen, the punishment he was about to receive would be like you going or facing the electric chair in two days for a murder you did not commit. That's where Jesus is at. And see, that's the thing is that surrender, a lot of times when we face surrender, it's this idea, this battle between, man, I deserve better than that. And Jesus could have said that I've never sinned. I don't deserve this. But that was not even the the question is mine. He just said, is there any other way? (coughs) But nevertheless, not as my will, but your will be done. Surrender. He surrendered his pain. He surrendered his plan. He surrendered his ambition. He surrendered his flesh, his desires. He surrendered everything. Verse 40, and he comes back to the disciples. And he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one one hour, Peter? I'm just asking, listen, a few hours ago we were at dinner. And you told me that you would never turn your back on me. You said you'd go to the death with me, Peter. And I just said, pray with me. Just stay awake, Peter. Can't you just pray for an hour? Listen, he said, Peter, this is bigger than you realize. Could you not watch me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Peter failed to watch and pray. And in just a few hours more, he'll fail to be faithful to Jesus. I just got to let you know, listen, surrender is essential. It's essential before the crisis becomes, and this isn't a crisis of self-control. This is a crisis of surrender for Peter. If we wait until we face the crisis, we will never fully surrender. We've got to make the decision right now. We've got to make the right decision right now to say, you know what, I give my life to you no matter the cost. And this is, I'm not just talking to people who are here that have never prayed the prayer. I'm talking to those of us who are called Christ followers. We have to surrender before we face the crisis. A good friend of mine's name is Nate, and he really is the real American hero. Goes to our church here. He's like Captain America. Um, He's a Marine for many years. He's a scratch golfer, which that's kind of like Captain America as well. And uh, literally, he he did two tours uh, during the first Iraqi or second Iraqi war and uh, got shot by a Syrian sniper, legitimately. Uh, Then went back and got blown up in a Humvee, crawled out of a Humvee that got hit by an RPG. Dude's a bad man, Majama. He's my good friend. So just if y'all want to fight me, just, just throwing that down right now. He can't hear out of one ear, so make sure you pick the right side, but he will knock you out. And he came to my connect group uh, this past summer, and, and uh, I, I lead a connect group every semester. And in and, and this connect group, I, I, every, all of us were going to share some different things about what, what was going on in our world. And we got to him, and he said, I just got to be honest. I feel like I'm going to pass out. 
there's spots in the sky behind you. I said, why? He goes, I'm nervous to talk in front of people. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're Captain America. I've been shot, blown up. You saved our lives. Thank you for our freedom. He goes, oh, that's just muscle memory. I'm like, nope, it's not. He said, yeah, it's just muscle memory. We trained for that thing. And it dawned on me. It dawned on me. They prepared for crisis before they faced it. And when it came, guess what? He, he responded well. He's alive today because of that muscle memory. Not only that, but we experience freedom today because of that muscle memory. Are you tracking with me? Hey, listen, listen, people died with him, but he made it through because he responded to the training. And you and I, we have to surrender now before we face the crisis. When we face the crisis, we may not be strong enough to say no, to say yes, to step up, to step back, to dream bigger, to pray more. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? You got to say yes now before the crisis hits. Jesus could not have imagined He could not have imagined what it would be like to have his father turn his back on him. Nobody could. He couldn't. But he chose in the Garden of Gethsemane to surrender. Again, for the second time, verse 42, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and he found them sleeping. Listen, he's, he, he's going back and forth. He's just trying. He's, he's winning this war, but little by little. And he's saying, God, is there any way? If not, it's okay. Your will be done. And he goes back and he finds the disciples asleep again. Asleep again. Jesus, great. This was the moment that he needed friends more than anything. And my question to you is, what are you asleep to today? What are you asleep to today? What are the things that the Holy Spirit's been knocking on the door of your heart saying it's time to change, it's time to adjust, it's time to get rid of, it's time to remove, it's time to clean it out, it's time to add this in. Step up, come on, it's time. What are the things that you're asleep to today? It's right, this is the time to start the year off right with surrender. Hey, listen, don't think that your secret sin won't end in a public disaster. Don't think that. You might be getting away with it now, but it's going to cost you everything in the end. And not just you, but your family, maybe your purpose, your children. What are you asleep to right now? Do you ever wonder what it must have been like for the disciples after the fact, maybe years and years down the road, to look back and think, man, I wish I had been stronger in Jesus' toughest moments. You ever wonder if Peter was like, gosh, if I could have those last hours again, I would have been there with him. So that he knew he's not alone, that I'm going to be in this as much as I possibly can. You see, that's the thing about resistance, is it almost always leads to regret. Resisting the total surrender almost always leads to regret. Let's read on. Verse 44. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He went away a third time. Three times Jesus goes and he says, hey, God, is there any other way? Take this cup. But if not, your will be done, not mine. A second time, God, I, is there, listen, I'm in. But if there's any other possible way, I'm still thinking Space Jam sounds good. But if there's any other possible way, not my will, but your will be done. The third time, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. 
but not my will. Your will be done. You see, the struggle for the cross was won in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't in the moment when he was being whipped or beaten, spit on, but when he was being nailed to the cross. The struggle for the cross was won in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what's interesting about the Garden of Gethsemane? You, you may or may not know this, and it's, it's irrelevant, but, but just it actually pertains a little bit to, to what we're talking about today. The, the Garden of Gethsemane is at the foothills of the Mount of Olives, which was a mountain where olives grew. It's odd, I know. And the Garden of Gethsemane was known and created for, and its main purpose was for creating olive oil. I don't know if you know this, but the process, especially in those days of creating olive oil, was very strenuous. You see, what they would do is the farmers would go to the trees and they would pick the olives by hand at the exact right time. The ones that were perfectly ripe and that the season was good. And they would handpick olives, put them into a basket, and they would take it down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there they would have a press. And many times it was uh, a big grinding stone that had to be uh, kind of turned around by a beast of burden. And they would throw the olive into this, this press or this pit. With its pit and all. The whole thing completely thrown in to the pit. And this beast of burden of the donkey, the oxen, would turn and churn this, this big grinding stone. And they would knead the olives. Not like I need an olive, but they would knead the olives for hours upon hours upon hours. The entire thing. And then what they would do is they would separate the, the, the paste of the, the olive, the, the solid consistency and the oil. And you would think that's when the olive oil was right, but it wasn't ready yet. They would separate those two and they would take the paste, this kind of nasty, just kind of mushy grossness. And, and then they would put it into a different press. And it was this pillar of the like uh, concrete or not concrete base but like this dirt base and they would fill these wicker baskets and then this this press that had this massive like crank on the top of it and they would press this stuff down again for hours and when they thought it was tight enough they would extend the pole and get multiple people to pull this thing so that literally they're pressing down on the paste and they're extracting the pureness of this amazing extra virgin olive oil. And it would seep into this vat. And the vat would have a ditch that would run down. And they would bury it underground. They would leave it underground for days sometimes. Until the olive oil was perfect and ready. And sometimes that's what surrender feels like. Like, man, I'm just, I'm crushed. I want to do that, but I, I know I need to do this. And it's not easy. Listen, surrender sometimes is very painful. Don't tell me Jesus didn't experience emotional and physical pain when he endured the cross. But you need to know that just like those olives, God has perfectly picked you at just the right season. And though they might walk through or you might walk through a season of pain. The pain of surrender, the fruit of it is so much more beautiful than the fruit of resistance. You might feel like you've been hard pressed. Sounds like another author in the Bible. On every side. Beaten and abandoned. And this is what I get. For surrender, I don't deserve there might be times where you feel like you're buried, forgotten. 
where God's just waiting for just the right time. And you know, that's what really surrender is. Listen to this, and let this be freedom for some of us today. Surrender is giving God permission to tell me when I'm ready. Surrender is giving God permission to tell me when I'm ready. Here's here's the important part of this whole passage of Scripture. It's not just the fact that Jesus surrendered his life, but it's how he surrendered. And, And this is my only point of application for you today as we wrap this service up. Jesus won the struggle for the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he did it through prayer. He went to God simply. Listen, he didn't go and speak in King James English. King James wasn't even alive at that point. He didn't pray some eloquent prayer. He didn't talk about his heritage or lineage. He just said, this is who I am. And this is what my struggle is. And this is what I know you want me to do. Can you help me? And I I just wonder what our lives would look like in 2016 if we started the day with a prayer of surrender. Christian, you've been saved for 45 years. There's still something you need to surrender to Jesus. You're brand new to the church, man. This is a great place to be in a community of people who are a little jacked up, just trying to get better. But I wonder what would happen if we just started our day off by saying, God, today, I surrender my life to you. You tell me when I'm ready. God, today, I don't want to do the things you want me to do. I need your help, but not my will. Your will be done. And you can look at every area of your life and apply that prayer to it. God, today I don't have the strength to be the husband that my wife needs. But I give you my life, would you help me? God, I don't have the strength to be the father that Brooklyn and Avery need to be who you've created them to be, but you gave them me. I'm sorry for them, but you gave them me. I'm the only dad they have. Can you help me? I just want to be a great father. God, I'm struggling with this area of sin in my life. It seems to have been the only constant I've known for decades. And I'm tired of it. But I don't have the strength to get rid of it. Would you help me? Would you forgive me? God, I'm I'm going to college. I'm doing everything I know to do. But I don't feel settled in your purpose for my life. Man, would you just make it clear? And until then, I'll follow you. God, I desperately want to be married. God, we're praying for that promotion. What would happen in our lives if we just started the day off with a prayer of surrender? It doesn't have to be 40 minutes long. Maybe just a phrase. But I do know this, that God's hope, and I believe his heartbeat for you and for me for 2016 is to accelerate surrender in our lives. That that becomes so normal for us. 
that it becomes so regular for us that the dreams that we once had or the ambition or, hey, listen, the fears. Surrender isn't just surrendering the things that I love, but it's surrendering the things I'm challenged with. Surrendering the feelings of inadequacy. I just don't know if I'm strong enough, good enough, smart enough. I just, I just have found that when we make it a regular component of our life to surrender, that all that other stuff just slowly fades away. And our focus so purely and truly becomes God and what he has for us. That it literally creates an internal joy and a peace that you cannot conjure up by purchasing more or accomplishing more or being more. What are the things that God wants you to surrender today? What are the areas? For some of you, it might be a big deal, a big sin area, and and you don't need to go through this alone. And maybe the next step for you is to find a pastor. I've got nine of us running around here or a connect group leader. And just say, hey, I'm struggling with this sin and I, I need to change this year. We'll pray with you. We'll walk through it. There's no sin too great that we won't walk with you through. Maybe for some of you, it's finding the right connect group and getting some of the areas of your life in order. What are the things you need to surrender today? Hey, look me in the eyes. For some of you, it's actually beginning the relationship with Jesus today. Starting with a prayer of surrender for the very first time. You don't have to be perfect. But God has picked you at the right time, just like that all who wants to do amazing things in your life. If you're here and you've never just said, Jesus, I give you my life in a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I wanna challenge you to pray with me. You don't have to get out of your seat or be embarrassed. In fact, it's not the finish line, it's the starting line. But don't let 2016 go by without starting that race. And look me in the eyes. Some of you, look at me right now in the eyes, have been serving the Lord for years but you're flirting with your purpose. Today's the day to surrender again. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you're here and you fit in either of those categories, as I pray, would you just pray with me? It's a simple prayer of surrender. Heads bowed, eyes closed. But today I'd like to ask for everybody to pray this out loud with me, just to build our faith. Would you just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. I'm a little bit messed up. Would you forgive me? Jesus, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.